0: Welcome to the JWRP Momentum Talks. Join us now for a journey into Jewish wisdom and inspiration. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm Lori Palatnik. I'm the founding director of the JWRP. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. It's interesting. When I was writing my book, uh, Friday Night and Beyond, which walks you through Shabbat from beginning to end, I remember I got to a point in the book where, you know, you're walking through Shabbat, so there comes a point where you go to the synagogue to pray. So when I was, I was asking different people about different aspects of uh, Shabbat and how they felt about it. And when I got to prayer, universally, I, people were very negative about it. They really had a very, very hard time with prayer, whether they were men, women, observant, not observant. So generally, people do. They have a hard time with prayer. What, what bothers you about prayer? I can't read Hebrew, so... Yeah, the, the the Hebrew, the language holds you back, right? Like often, if unless you're a, a native Hebrew speaker. What else? Remembering them. Remembering the prayers? Yeah, so, okay, I could hear that. But, you know, if you're, you're in the synagogue, okay? Okay, imagine you're in the synagogue, it's Rosh Hashanah, and uh, are you just having a jolly old time, or is there things that are bothering you? It's, you feel... You can't connect to the material? Yeah, it's very hard to feel connected to it because it, whatever, it's somebody else wrote it, it's formal, it's in Hebrew. What else? You can't really understand what you're reading. Right, again, because of the language, like you don't really, and well, it's not even... It's topics, ah. they don't pertain to your life. Uh, they fit, The topics seem very distant. Like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. What else? Other people tell me things like... All the things that you've said, but also, you know, that it's boring, it's repetitive. Uh, does God really know, you know, that that I'm here? Does He even care what I say? Like, you know, there's billions of people in the world. Um, so, when I grew up, prayer was Simon says. Okay, so my goal—we only went like three times a year—but my goal was not to be sitting when they're standing, and not to be standing when they're sitting. All right, but that's not prayer. That's Simon says. So, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God that's what it is. Prayer is a conversation with your creator. Anytime, anywhere, any language. Often we feel held back because of the Hebrew, but God understands every language. God does not speak Chinese to Eskimos. Prayer is supposed to be an expression of the heart. If it didn't come from your heart, you didn't pray. So if your native language is not Hebrew, you can speak in your native language to the Almighty. Hebrew definitely has a very deep and mystical aspect to it. And the more Hebrew you can uh, bring into your prayer, the better. But you should be learning it and and knowing what you're saying. There's a lot of of bar mitzvah boys got up there and chanted away and had no idea what they said. (laughs) Okay. Yay. How meaningful. (laughs) No. Prayer is talking to God. So prayer in Hebrew is called lehit which means to self-examine, to self-judge. Prayer is not a slot machine. I, uh, this is what I want, ching, 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 and out it comes. No, this is a, a relationship. This is a process. God answers every prayer. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no. So if he says no, you have to ask yourself, Why? God can only give it to you if it's good for you. My kids can beg me for drugs. I'm not giving it to them, okay? I'm only going to give it to them if it's good for them. So if God says no, obviously, somehow, some, for some reason, it's not good for you. Why? And you have to ask yourself, why? If this was good for me, God would give it to me. So do you understand? Lahit palel, to self-examine, to self-judge. There are many things in your life that you prayed for that you didn't get. Right? A lot of them, you're happy you didn't get them. The guy in high school and you wanted him to take you to the prom and you were writing Mrs. Stephanie, whatever, like, for, you know, th- dreaming of marrying him. Hopefully, you're happy you didn't end up with that guy. You're happy that you ended up with your guy. Hopefully. So, there's a lot of things that we say no to our children, not just because the example I gave drugs, but because they're not ready for it yet, they wouldn't appreciate it yet. This is not the right time. This is not the right thing for them. This is something that you see the bigger picture as the parent. So the Almighty really sees the big picture. We are human beings. We live in the present. We dwell on the past, and we worry about the future. That's us. So God is not bound by time. So God, God sees past, present, and future in one glance. He sees where you came from. He sees where you are. And because he's God, he even knows where you're going. So because he's beyond time, he has... Uh, he has a different perspective when it comes to what we are asking for. I'm going to go through the four steps of prayer. If you do this, for sure for a woman, if you do this once a day, you have fulfilled the mitzvah prayer. Even the formal prayers that we have are there to, all these four aspects are in the prayers. And one of the reasons why we have the formal prayer is because there are certain things that we literally would forget to ask for. If you look at the Shimon Esrei, the 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 silent Amida, which is the main part of uh, of our formal prayer, one of the first things we ask for is wisdom. When was the last time you prayed to God, oh, don't forget wisdom, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> if you have wisdom, then you have clarity. And if you have clarity, then you know what right choices to make. So you know you want this, you want this, you want this, but like, oh my gosh, if I don't have wisdom, but you would forget that. So the rabbis understand that, and there are certain things that they have in the formal prayers that without that we would forget. Some of the prayers are very personal, and some of the prayers are very for the nation, and some are for the world. You see, like a lot of prayer uh, left on our own would sometimes just be for us, and we forget to pray for other people or for the world. Okay, so I'm going to go through the four steps of prayer. You could do them anytime, anywhere, any language. Got it? All right. So the first one, so there's an acronym, for so you don't forget. (laughs) So even if you don't have short-term memory, okay, there's an acronym. The acronym is RPAT, R-P-A-T. So if you remember RPAT, you're going to know how to pray anytime, anywhere, okay? All right, any language. R. R is recognize. Recognize that there's a God. So how do we do this? Uh, You just... Call out. Just call out. Use his name. Now, God has many names. God has many names. Um, just like you do, and I do. I have many names. For some people in my life, they, some people call me Lori. Some people call me Dearest. Some people call me Ima. Some people call me and Palatnik. Some people call me Mrs. Palatnik. It's all me, but it's different aspects of me. For some people, I'm their friend, I'm their mother, I'm their wife. I'm their teacher. I'm their sibling. Do you understand? It's all me. It's just different aspects of me. And when a certain name is invoked, it, uh, impl- it has a different connotation to it. So uh, God has many names in the Torah. Some are male and some are female. Some invoke mercy. Some invoke justice. Some are more personal for you. Some are for the, for the Jewish people. Some are for all the nations. Do you understand? It's all God. Just like I have many names. It's all God. It's just different aspects of God. And when that name is invoked, it implies a different relationship. So you're supposed to use God's name. Uh, don't, and people sometimes shy away from that. Like, uh, you're not supposed to use God's name in vain. When you're talking about God, you're allowed to use his name. <laughs> okay? All right. For more on that, uh, see, listen to my CD on the Ten Commandments when we talk about not using God's name in vain. So Recognizing there's a God is also realizing that it's not life is not luck, coincidence, or chance, that everything happens for a reason. Prayer is not a one-way conversation. God does talk to us. Now, if you heard God's voice in the clouds this morning, we have therapists here in the city that you can meet with, all right? God does not talk to us through a voice in the clouds. God talks to us through, it's called hashkacha pratit. Hashkacha means divine supervision. That means that that life is not luck or coincidence, that everything happens for a reason. So uh, we pe- we play uh, Hashkacha stories at our Friday night table, okay? So at our Friday night table at, on Shabbat, after dinner I bring out dessert, and I also bring out an extra basket of goodies. And I say, okay, now I tell my guests, now we're going to tell Hashkacha stories. So they freak out because I use the word with in it, Okay. So I said I explained to them that hashkacha pratit means divine supervision, and that everything happens for a reason. And we're gonna play a game. So the, here's the rules: If you've never been to our Shabbat table, you could tell a story of where you saw God's hand in your life, for, from your whole life, your whole life. And if you have been to our Shabbat table, uh, you have to tell a story from your week. So that apply that that applies to all the people who live in the house, right? me, my kids, my husband, and the rabbi looks really dumb if he doesn't have a God story, okay, on on Shabbat. So people sometimes are like, sometimes people like the stories come very quickly. And sometimes I explain to them that how you bought your house or how you met your spouse usually comes with a really good story, all right? And when you start seeing that God talks to us through Things that happen like the accident you told me about okay like what's the message right you're going to the stupid party or whatever it is <laughs> like what am i doing like you have to ask yourself so when things happen like what's the message what's god telling me and my husband always says better to get god's message when good things happen and don't wait for bad things to happen okay unfortunately we're human beings and sometimes it takes a wake-up call before god gets our attention he wants us to have green lights all the way through life he gives us a red light There's a reason. But it is a higher level, my husband says, that when good things happen, you have to stop and think what's the message? What's God telling us? Do you hear? Much better to do it that way and not wait for a, a wake up call. So, recognizing there's a God is recognizing that life is not coincidence or chance or accident, that everything happens for a reason. So, what's the message? What's God telling me? What can I learn from this? better to get God's message when he whispers and don't wait for him to shout. Because sometimes when some, something heavy happens, we look back and we're like, oh my gosh, you know what? You start seeing like if I, I wasn't listening to the signs. Like if I only, and you start, you could rewind it and you could see that if I only would have listened to it back then, God wouldn't have to have shouted. Do you understand? So this is, um, this is something very important to know. Okay, so ours recognize, recognize as God. It's not luck, accidents, coincidence. Use God's name. Just start off any prayer, just Hashem, Almighty, God. Now, why are we so crazy, crazy, crazy about God's name? Okay, that we write G slash uh, D, okay, uh, and we say Hashem, the name. So, why are we, of all the nations, of all the religions, why are we the ones who are so picky, picky, picky about God's name? Because that's all we have. We don't have a a man on a cross. We don't have a fat Buddha. We don't have statues. We don't have depictions. All we have is God's name. So we're very, very careful with God's name. We don't use it in vain. We use it for a purpose. We don't swear and use God's name. We don't use it as an expression. But God wants you to use his name, all right? Somebody told me... um, when I got engaged, they gave me a, a, a great piece of advice. They go, start calling your future mother-in-law and father-in-law mom and dad now, or 20 years down the road, you're still calling them, excuse me. Excuse me, can you please pass the potatoes? <laughs> okay. So people love it when you remember their names, don't they? Like, they love it. Like, I have a hard time, because I have a hard time remembering names. I really do. And I... I'm in the people business, and I literally meet thousands of people a year. Now they have to remember one name, and also to remember thousands of names. I literally can't. I can't. I can barely remember my kids' names. I have five kids, and it's like I often shout out the wrong name. So it's it's. But when you do remember somebody's name, they love it. They love it, and people really are attached to their name and your name. You identify with it. So anybody in sales or in the people business, you know, they love it when you remember their name. Use God's name. If you're uncomfortable recognizing there's a God or talking about God, your kids are not going to be comfortable. And we are not heading in the right direction here. All right. So R is recognize. P, praise. You'll notice that a lot of the prayers in the prayer books have to do with praise, right? They're always like um, I don't know, like especially like, a, you know, a Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, like a lot of it has to do with praise. God Almighty, nobody compares to you. You break the cedars of Lebanon, all knowing, all powerful. I don't know. It seems like God's got a good gig here, huh? Right, Billions of people in the world, they're all praising him. Do you like praise? I like praise. The hardest job I ever had was being a mother. Why? There's not a lot of praise, okay? It's not like, when they were, my kids were little, I tucked them into bed and they went, "Emma, excellent day. Well done. Okay. Saw you were going to lose your temper and you didn't. No. It's like, you forgot to buy peanut butter. Like, you, you're you not in it for the praise. All right. I like praise. I like when people applaud after I speak and they tell me it affected them and they buy my book and they take my picture. It's like, nice. Okay. I like praise. So we, why are we praising God? Does God need our praise? No, God doesn't need our praise. If you've listened to some of the other CDs, we've established that the greatest contribution the Jewish people gave to the world, we'll just review, is monotheism. What's so great about monotheism? One God. It's not because it's one-stop shopping and never forget his name. Monothe- the whole concept of monotheism that the Jewish people gave to the world is that one God means he's got it all. What can you give to somebody who's got it all? Nothing. It means he can't receive. It means he can only give. It means this whole world was created for us, for our pleasure. Don't think you're doing God any favors by doing his commandments. They're not for God. They're for us. My kids think they're cleaning the room for me. They're doing their homework for me. My Moshi was a little boy. He wanted a cookie. I go, what do you say? He goes, please, thank you, excuse me. Like, pick the word. You need to hear Iman give me the cookie. It's not for me. It's for Moshi. I taught him those words, so he'll be a mensch, so he won't just be a taker, so he'll have appreciation of the world and have more pleasure. Don't think you're doing it for God. So if we're praising and it's not for God, then who is it for? It must be for us. How do we understand that? Because sometimes we mistakenly think we're praising God to butter him up and then go in for the kill, okay? It's like my father, I called my father dad, but when I wanted something, I called him Daddy. Sometimes my kids come over to me, Ima, greatest ema in the whole wide world. I'm like, what do you want? Okay. Like there's this idea, like whatever, I'm going to butter you up and then I'm going to go in for what I want. So if you think you're buttering God up by praising him and then you're going to go in and now you've softened him and he's going to give you what you want, you're insulting God. Imagine, Stephanie, you and I go to a... Um, Go to you come to D.C. and uh, they're having uh, in, an entertainment like they're honoring entertainers at the Kennedy Center, and I get tickets to like this to the post show uh, reception, and we go together. Okay, and there's all these stars there and everything, and I see you talking to a woman all night long, and then we leave the party. We go down into the in, down into the garage. We get into the car. We close the doors, and I turn to you. And I go Stephanie. I can't believe you were talking to Barbara Streisand all night long. I can't believe it. What's she like? What's she like? And you're like, that was Barbara Streisand. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Why were you kicking yourself? Because you didn't know who you were talking to. You're like, oh, I thought she looked familiar. Oh, no. If you knew it was Barbara Streisand, what you would have asked her, what you would have said. You you missed out on the moment because you didn't know who you were talking to. So when we say, God, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, every breath is from you, every child's smile, every raindrop, every dollar, now I know who I'm talking to. So P is praise. The praise is not for God. You're not buttering him up. The praise is for us because now I know who I'm talking to which leads to the next letter, A. A is ask, ask. It's unbelievable, I speak all over the world, and often when I tell people that if you didn't ask, you didn't pray, God wants you to ask. They're like, no, 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 it's not Jewish to ask. Jews, who in a deli are not afraid to ask for anything, take it back, put it on the side, it's too hot, it's too spicy, it's too cold, We're afraid to ask God for something, really? God wants you to ask. Don't you want your kids, don't your parents want you to ask them for things? The worst thing for a parent is, my kids don't need me. Parents want to feel needed. Now, that's us as parents. Obviously, God has no needs. God's got it all. But we, when there is a need and we call out, we create a relationship. The story is told of a man whose daughter, Sarah, goes off to college. Now, this was years ago. This was before cheap long distance, before texting, before all the I, I, iPads, I, I, all the I, I, i's. Uh, He actually wrote her a letter. Remember writing letters? He wrote, dear Sarah, how are your classes? Who are your friends? What are your plans? Tell me about college life right soon. Love, dad. One week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. Nothing. Here's nothing. He writes her again Dear Sarah, how are your classes? Who are your friends? What are your plans? Tell me about college life. Love, dad. One week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks, nothing. He gets so frustrated. He finally says to his brother, I understand. Sarah goes off to college. I'm writing to her, nothing. He says, Try this. He gives him a hint. The next time he writes, he writes, Dear Sarah, how are your classes? Who are your friends? What are your plans? Tell me about college life. Write soon. Love, Dad. P.S. I thought you could use a little extra money, so I enclosed a check. And he doesn't enclose the check. Two days later, Dear Dad, these are my classes. These are my friends. These are my plans. This is college life. Love, Sarah. P.S. You forgot to enclose the check. So God forgets, in quotes, to enclose the check, so to speak, in our lives, because he knows we're missing out on this most important relationship. There's a blessing we say in the morning, in our morning blessings, and it really takes five minutes in the morning. If you say these blessings, it really frames your whole day. One of the blessings is we thank God for creating our needs. We thank God for not giving us everything. Can you imagine going to your parents or your kids coming to you saying, thank you so much for not giving me everything. (laughs) Like that ain't gonna happen. Why do we thank God? for creating lacking in our life. Because when there's lacking, we call out. Because we need this relationship. All right. So you're supposed to ask, is there anything too big? Is there anything too small? Is there anything too big to ask God for? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know you're not overreaching? So years ago, uh, we were Living in Toronto, my uh, I always say we have a mixed marriage. I'm Canadian. My husband's American. Um, he's from Chicago. I'm from Toronto. We met in Israel, got married, moved to Israel forever, uh, and three and a half months into forever, he we had to go to Toronto for his job, and all our kids were born. All five kids were born in in Toronto. My kids always make fun of me that I'm Canadian. I'm like you're Canadian, <laughs> okay? So, but they were young when we left. The oldest was 12. So our oldest is a very smart girl, very sharp girl. So when we moved to the States, um, she calculated, oh, parents took us out of our life, traumatized us away from our friends and my grandparents. They feel guilty. I can cash in on this. Okay. So she comes home with her first report card, straight A's. She's a very smart girl. I go, great. I said, uh, and she goes, what what are you going to get me? You know, you give your kids a prize for a good report card. I go, well, what do you want? She goes, well, what are you going to get me? I go, well, what do you want? She goes, well, what are you going to get me? So she knows I'm not going to give in. Why? Because I taught her this. I taught her that when you go for a job you and they ask you how much do you want, like you, you're a babysitter, okay? How much, how much do you charge? You never say the first number. Why? Because if you say $6 an hour and they were going to pay $9 an hour, you're hired. Got it? Same with you. You go for a job. All right. And they say, What what kind of salary are you looking for? You never say the first number. Because if you say, Oh, I don't know, like thirty five thousand dollars a year and they were gonna pay fifty two thousand dollars a year, you're hired. Do you understand? You say like, what did the person in the you know get paid who was in this position before? Or do you understand? Like you you never say the first number. So now let's go back to our story. So she's so she says, what are you going to get me? And I'm like, well, what do you want? What do you want? So she knows I'm not going to give in because I taught her this. So now she's got to come in with her ask. If she says a ballpoint pen, too low. A car, too high. Somewhere between a ballpoint pen and a car is my price. And she's trying to figure out what it is. What does she base her ask on? The past. Ah, very good. So what does she base her, her, her ask on? What did I already give her in the past? All right. What's... I, what did I give her last year? Now she's a year older. Now I've traumatized her but, and I feel guilty. So she's cashing in. So she knows she can up it. Okay. So number one is what did I give her in the past? Very good. And number two, what, what else? Why is a car too high? Her father's a rabbi. Okay. It's not like he's going to score a big bris and we're cashing, cashing out. Okay. So my, we, we kind of like financially sink and swim. All right. So she's, so she's So the other criteria is what are we capable of giving her? So number one, what have we given her in the past? And number two, what are we capable of giving her? Now let's switch this to the Almighty, okay? How do we know there's nothing too big to ask God for? Number one, what has He already given you? Life. Everything, life, right? Life. Life. Everything pales in comparison. You're breathing right now, okay? You can see, you can hear. You cut your finger a week later. You don't remember what finger was on because your body can heal itself. Like, Like we're walking miracles, He's already given you life. Everything pales in comparison. Everything. You're never overreaching. But what do you want? And why do you want it? We always go to the what do we want, but we often miss the why do we want it. Years ago, um, we were, I told you, we kind of sink and swim financially. So we were going through a sink, and I was bailing, and we were sinking. So I... um, I was traveling to Israel to research a new book, and I was meeting with our rabbi, Rabbi Noah Weinberg of Blessed Memory, who was the founder of Isha Torah, and, I, and we were talking about, I was researching the book, and we were talking about prayer. And I mentioned to Rabbi Weinberg, Rabbi Noah Weinberg, I mentioned to him that, um, that you know, I've been praying, davening for Parnassah, for livelihood, and it's not forthcoming. And he says, what do you want? And I said, money. And he asked me, why do you want it? And I thought, oh, poor Rabbi Weinberg, he's so sheltered here in Israel. To pay my bills, Rabbi Weinberg. He said, why? I go, why? So don't shut off my phone and turn off my heat. He goes, why? And every why, I kept have to answer the why on that and the why on that until finally I said, okay, I want money so we can pay our bills so that my husband, who I think is so great and can do such great things for the Jewish people, does not have to be weighed down by debt. He goes, ah, now pray. And when money was forthcoming, instead of saying, instead of, we paid our bills, but instead of saying, let's go to Disney World, I said, Yaakov, go teach. Go develop that seminar for the Jewish people. The first answer to the why is never the answer. It's almost never the answer. You need a few whys in before, ding, that's it. Women come up to me after the dating workshop. A girl came up to me and she, after I gave a dating workshop, and she goes, You know, do you know any guys? Whatever. I go, What do you want? She goes, I want to get married. I asked her why. She goes, Why? Because cause, cause I don't want to be alone. I go, Get a puppy. They're cheaper. Why don't you want to be alone? Oh, I don't want to be alone because the first answer to the why is almost never the why. You have to go a few whys in until finally you're like, Ding, that's it. That's it. What do you want and why do you want it? And again, God can only give it to you if it's good for you. So we've established there's nothing too big. Is there anything too small? Can't find a parking spot. You're going to pray to God for a parking spot? This problems in the Middle East. You really think he cares about you on this cold little day like in your parking spot? Yes. Imagine... I sat down, we had a family meeting. I sit down with my kids. I go, guys, you see Emanaba, we're busy people, okay? Okay, come to us on your birthday. Come to us when you graduate. Come to us when you get engaged, on your wedding day, and when your first child is born, for the big things. But in between, for the little things, you guys, you're on your own. What kind of relationship would I have with my kids? Pretty bad. My relationship with my husband is not based on what we do on our wedding anniversary. It's how we treat each other every day. It's the little things. It's better to build your relationship with God through the little things and not wait for something big to happen. It's through the small things. Those are the little wake-up calls. That, that's when, if you're building a relationship with God through the parking spot, through trying to find your keys, through trying to find your homework or whatever it is, and you're always on a constant, constant dialogue and relationship with God, now we have a relationship. He, we don't need a big wake up call. Do you understand? Like we, don't, like, we have a relationship. This is a, a personal. God is creator, sustainer, supervisor. He created the world, he sustains it every moment. Supervisor means that he's personally, intimately involved in your life. That's the God the Jewish people brought to the world. He didn't just create the world and sit back and good luck. He didn't just create it and keep it going. He's intimately involved in life. On Friday night on the Kiddush, we talk about God taking us out of Egypt. It's not Passover. Why do we say it every Friday night? Because it's an example of God intervening in history in your life. God's a personal God. We develop that relationship by seeing, again, this is the way God talks to us in through life and through things that happen, but what do you want and why do you want it? Why do you want? You want a parking spot? Why? Right? You want the green light? You want to make the plane? What do you want and why do you want it? It completely changes everything in your life when you reframe it that way. All right. So is there anything too small? No, there's nothing too small. And in terms of uh, the, in terms and also in terms of your relationship with God. Sometimes you're sitting there and you're praying and you're thinking, is there anybody out there, 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 there? Does God really know I'm here? Billions of people in the world? How could it be? So imagine you get a job with um, IBM, okay? Entry-level position with IBM. Does the international president, the CEO of IBM, know you exist? Does he care about you? No. 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 Is he opening doors when you need them open and, 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 and roadblocks when you need to work harder? No. If the president, the international president of IBM was your father, would he know you exist? Yes. Would he be following your career? Yes. Would he open doors when you need them and give you challenges when you need them? Yes. So God is our father in heaven. He knows we exist. He cares about us. He's intimately involved in our lives. And it doesn't matter how many children you have, okay? It does, like, you know, I I, I had this, uh, everybody who has kids, almost everybody, is always worried about when they're pregnant with the second one. How could I possibly love this next baby as much as I love my first? I was like, I I felt sorry for my next baby. I was like, how could I possibly love my baby, this this new human being, more than I love, or how could I love them like I love uh, my first? So it turns out you have unlimited capacity for love. And you really do. And God expands your heart. It's amazing. So we taste it in our homes and with our children. And the Almighty again is our father in heaven. He 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 knows where you're at. He knows where you want, where where you're going, and he's he's trying to help you to get there. But we're not listening. Because again, when we talked about on another CD, we talked about who who has all the power so we think we have all the power and it's up to us and we're not listening or on the way up this is a classic prayer thing okay okay on the way up it's us look what i built okay or you pray to god but then when you get to the top you're like okay god i'll take it from here okay and you start to believe that it was all you yes you have to make your effort but we're going to get that to the next step also but on the way down we blame god on the way up it's us and on the way down, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Up and down, it's all the Almighty. And it's all messages. It's all messages. Don't make the mistake and think that God is, when these things happen, that God's punishing me or rewarding me. That's classic stuff, okay? Um, here's, here's classic. Um, your, you and your sister take turns bringing your grandmother to the hairdresser every week, okay? Now it's your week. And you know what? You don't want to bring your grandmother a hairdresser this week. You want to go downtown because your girlfriends are meeting for lunch. And you tell your sister, you take Bobby. And she's like, no, it's your week. You're like, no, I'm going to be- visit my friends. I'll make it up to you one day. On the way downtown, you get a flat tire. So what are you thinking? God is punishing me for not taking my grandmother to the hairdresser. God's not punishing you. God's talking to you. And you got the message. And we think that somehow God rewards us here, too. I gave tzedakah. I gave charity. And then I get this windfall of money. And you're thinking, oh, God is rewarding me. God is rewarding me for for giving charity. God's not rewarding you. You did good things with your money. Now God is giving you more opportunity to do good. In this world, it's all messages. In the next world, there is reward and punishment. But that's for another talk on soul in the afterlife. We're not going to go into it now. So we've established there's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. The Almighty uh, knows who you are and where you're going. And But what do you want and why do you want it? All right? And remember, what's going on here, it's all messages. And I have to tell you that you can never tell somebody why something is happening to them. Only you know what God is telling you. I can give you suggestions, we can talk it out, and maybe by talking it out, you come to some clarity, but only you know what God is telling you. You were telling me about the accident the other night that you were in, the fender bender. Okay, I'm not going to tell you why, but you already know, probably, and <laughs> I think the way you're smiling is you already know what the message is. So you have to, So sometimes though something happens, a rabbi taught us that your first gut reaction, which is coming from your soul, is usually what the message is. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. Well oh, couldn't be that, because that would mean I'd have to change or I did something wrong, okay? But sometimes we don't listen, but usually the first gut reaction is usually what the message is, and God is and our rabbi always said, "God is very eloquent. He's not going to bother talking if you can't hear it. But sometimes you really don't know what the message is. It's too complex, or it's too heavy at the time. So sometimes we have to wait till something passes through, and then we have to think, what's the message? My husband explained that it's kind of like shooting a basket. Okay, your first gut reaction, you, you, you got nothing, okay? What, I don't know. So then you shoot the ball. Maybe it's this. You, you don't even hit the backboard, okay? You're way off, okay? You move a little bit to the right. You shoot. You hit your, it bounces off the backboard. Getting closer, but still not it. You go to the left. You shoot. It's off the rim. Eventually, swish. Two points. You got it. Don't stop asking. And sometimes you get to the point where you, you, ask, you literally pray to God, please give me the clarity to know what the message is, what, what you're trying to tell me. And again, you may not like the answer, but that's the answer. And he's, I don't know why things are happening to you, but you can know. You can know. All right. Um, so we did recognize, praise, and ask. So now we're at the last one. T of our pat. So you see that, again, on the way up, sometimes we ask God for God's help, but when we get to the top, we're like, it's okay, I can take it from here. T is thank. To thank. To thank God. To appreciate that, uh, because sometimes we ask, we ask, we ask, and then when he comes through, we sort of, again, take credit or chalk it up to luck and coincidence. You have to thank. Now, does God need our thanks? We've already established okay? God does not need our thanks. We need our thanks. We need our thanks. When we recognize there's a God and we thank him, it's called hakorat which means to recognize the good. The opposite of that is to be kafui to be a denier of the good, to think that this is, again, it's me, it's luck, it's coincidence, it's a force. It's an energy. I love when people say that to me. I'm like, I don't believe in God, but I believe in like an energy. Okay. (laughs) What is that energy? Why do people like to say an energy or a force? Or people say to me, I don't believe in God, but I believe everything happens for a reason. Well, what the heck is that? Okay. So people want to distance themselves and not call it God, because if it's God, that means... I have a relationship. And if I have a relationship, it means I have obligations and commitment. And it's like, it starts becoming like, you know, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> we'll just call it an energy or a force or whatever, or what we're going to call it. So when we recognize the good, we, again, it's not to butter God up, but when we recognize the good, we get, first of all, we get more pleasure when we realize there was a source to this. The difference between when we talked about your sweaters and like if it came from me or it came or it was just random, that when you realize there's a source to it, even when I was, when I was putting – when I would dress my kids in the morning when they were little, even before they could talk, I would go, okay, this sweater is from Bubby. Thank you, Bubby. Okay? I wanted them to know that everything comes from somewhere. There's a source to everything. We say blessings over our food and our drink before and afterwards. So if God doesn't need our thanks, then why are we blessing God and why are we thanking God? So, imagine. Um, do you ever go to Starbucks? Okay, what's your drink at Starbucks? Venti passion iced tea. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Venti passion iced tea. So my drink is grande soy chai. Okay, grande soy chai. So, uh, so you go to you go to order your tea or your coffee, and what do you do? You pay for it and then you drink it and yum. Okay, so. What's the idea of blessings? Blessings are to stop for even a few seconds and to recognize that this came from somewhere. And there's different blessings depending on where it came from. If something grew on a tree, there's a different blessing. And if something grows on the ground, it's a different blessing. So if I'm going to eat a nut, the blessing I say is different than if it, because peanuts come from the ground and almonds come from a tree. It's two different blessings. I literally have to stop and think, where did this come from? Think about my coffee, my star. Anybody's Starbucks coffee, okay? Now, before you take a sip of this coffee, think about where it came from. Okay, where did it start? Somebody in Brazil, okay, is planting, okay, planting, uh, planting and preparing a field and planting and hoping for a good crop and rain and and you know, uh, insects and and the the sun and all the things that happen in order to get the, these coffee beans to grow. And then the coffee—you have to harvest the coffee beans, and the beans are brought to to market, and then that they somebody buys them, and then they ship them. Okay, they have to ship them across the ocean to us, and Starbucks buys them, and uh, I, I assume that they're roasted. I don't. I think I don't think they're roasted in Brazil. They're probably roasted in America. I don't know. They're roasted somewhere. Somebody has to roast them, and now they're going to go ship out to the the different stores. And somebody you're at, and, and you are a person who lives in the time of history where you can have the luxury of time and money to be able to stop at a Starbucks and to order a drink that comes in 10,000 varieties, okay and, and, and pay a ridiculous amount of money for something that's mostly water, that there's clean water. That you're not hauling, you're not walking barefoot for miles to to get water in a pail to bring it back to your family that is starving, which is what's happening in the world like today. I'm talking about history. That we live in a time where I have the time, I have the money, I have the desire, and I order this my special drink, and she gives me the drink. Now say a blessing and take a sip of that drink. The pleasure is so much greater. God says, don't stop and thank me for me. I don't need your thanks. You need the thanks to stop and realize. Do you ever think about an orange? Right? An orange. What's cool about an orange? First of all, it's a happy color. God could have made all their fruits and vegetables beige. Different shades of beige. You walk into the supermarket. It tastes the same. Like it'll still taste like an orange. And an apple tastes like an apple. But they're beige. Look, like it, it's like an orange is it, all these colors. It's like happy and it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So orange is a happy color. So it's a, um, it's a meal that comes already prepackaged. You open it up and it's already pre-sliced. You take the slice. If you open a each slice, it's, it's packed with little, little packets of juice. So not only it satisfies your hunger, it satisfies your thirst. Now say a blessing and take a bite of the orange. Imagine you are you live in a house and there's an empty lot next door and there's an apple tree that grows and the tree always blossoms every year and there's fruit and your kids go and they grab the fruit and they whip the apples at each other and you take some of the apples and you make applesauce and apple pie and apple goodies. And then one day you see there's a sign being put on that, that lot. And there's people there. Somebody clearly bought the property and they build a house. Now it's the next year and the apples are are ready to be picked. So do your kids go and take the apples and whip them at each other? And you take the apples and, you, no, 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 no. What do you do now? You go to your neighbor and you say, well, f- welcome to the neighborhood. I just want to tell you that you know we've always you know taken the apples and we've made different things with it. And I was wondering if it's possible, because there's so many of them, could we still, you know, and they're like, of course, please help yourself. So now you take the apples. Do you let your kids whip them around No, okay? You use them for their proper purpose. You bake apple pies, of course, you bring one over to your neighbor and you thank them, okay? This is not an ownerless world. And we are guests here. We're supposed to take care of this world, but God wants us to enjoy it. But he says, use things for their proper purpose and be grateful. Take pleasure. A grateful person is a happy person. A person who's Kafui Tov, who denies the good, they're not a happy person. They're not happy. They Takers are not happy people. Givers are happy people. Takers are happy at the moment. They got what they wanted. But in the long run, takers are not happy people. Givers are happy people. So I just want to end with a story. So seven and a half years ago, I had the incredible... No, seven years ago. Seven years ago, I had the incredible, unbelievable opportunity to donate my kidney to a woman I'd never met before. Okay? It was by far the greatest experience of my life. Now, it's a whole talk unto itself, which, you know, I'll try to make a CD on that as well. It's called uh, The Gift of Life, Why I Donated My my Kidney to a Stranger. But it was by far the greatest experience of my life, really, really. So I'm not going to go into it, but I just want to tell you one part of it. So three years after the the donation we know obviously we became very close i didn't know her before but now we became very close she invited me to her daughter's wedding can you imagine okay she's a mother of seven she invited me to, so i traveled to new york to her daughter's wedding so now i'm at the chuppah okay how do you think i felt at her daughter's wedding i'm watching her under the chuppah okay this woman with her daughter what amount of money would you could you have given me to trade for that moment what material possession or experience would I have traded for that moment to see her stand under the chuppah with her daughter? After the ceremony, she everybody leaves the chuppah. She runs into my arms, crying, thanking me for letting her live to see this day. To see her dance, to see her dance with her daughter at her daughter's wedding, there, if you would know the pleasure I felt, you would be running out of the room calling up the Kidney Foundation to donate your kidney. It's, there's, there's no words to describe it. Takers are happy people at the moment, but in the long run, givers are happy people. So the Almighty created a world and he created a world with needs. He wants us to have a relationship with him. The four steps of prayer, pat. recognize. Recognize there's a God. It's not accidents or coincidence. Like God runs the world. Start off by just using his name. P, praise. Now I know who I'm talking to. A, ask. Nothing too big, nothing too small. God wants us to ask. And T, thank. And thank you. Thank you for listening to the JWRP Momentum Talks. We hope that you have been inspired as you continue on your Jewish journey. Visit us online at jwrp.org.